Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Comics Pals Book Club. This one coming to you guys ahead of Avengers Endgame. I'm actually really excited that I got that right because I've been screwing up Endgame for like the last <laughs> few months. I'm saying Infinity War. Um, end, end War. <laughs> Infinity, I mean, Infinity Game. I feel like, especially for this episode, it would have been such an easy mistake to make. Because we're talking about infinity, it's like good on you, buddy. Good on you. Golf claps all around. Right. Uh, last time for Infinity War, we actually read Infinity Gauntlet. This time we're reading Infinity, which came from Jonathan Hickman's brain and the pencil of a lot of different artists. Uh, this event was actually quite a while in the making. Um, Jonathan Hickman told an epic you know, super arc um, between two different Avengers titles that he was working on, um, those being Avengers and New Avengers, um, and then Infinity War, or excuse me, Infinity as <laughs> one, of the, one of the tentpole events, and then uh, sort of ending with Secret Wars in 2015. So all said, I think his run was, what, three years long, four, something like that? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, let's jump right into it. So, before we we talk about the meat, there's a lot of context. So, for those of you listening Mm. at home, uh, if you have read Infinity, that's awesome. Glad you're here. Hope hope you are going to enjoy this conversation. But, if you have only read Infinity, and you haven't read anything else, I don't know how you did it. Eat the rest of the apple, my guy. Like, (laughs) you just ate the skin. Without the context of Avengers and New Avengers, just to read the tie-ins, so if you only read those tie-ins and Infinity, there's probably still some confusion. I have read everything that Jonathan Hickman wrote that relates to his run on Avengers, but you guys didn't. And you're still confused. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm really anxious to hear what some of the things were that you had questions about um, so that we can inform this conversation. What were some of the, the missing links? How, I guess for me, one of the big things were the um, uh, the the gardeners, Ex Nihilo and Abyss. How long had they been, how long had that whole thing, because like you would have had to have established Ex Nihilo and Abyss pretty early on to be able to build what he built, and then to blow it up in Infinity. I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad we're starting with that question because that is one of the first things that gets established in Jonathan Hickman's Avengers run. So, what I want to establish first is the differences between Avengers and New Avengers. It's probably mm. clear to you if you read the the fullness of the Infinity checklist what the differences are, but just to make sure we're all clear. Avengers deals primarily with the establishing of the new team. So the new team is more cosmic in a lot of ways. You can tell that um, it it includes Hyperion, Smasher, uh, Starbrand, all these kinds of, you know, cosmic characters and building out and populating the world and rather the world's um, outside of Earth. Earth has become a target 
after um, Age of Ultron, and the Avengers feel that they need to go big. So they so the, most of the run is based around that up until this point. New Avengers is based around the Illuminati. Um, so the tagline New Avengers is just there to sell comics. It is an Illuminati book. Um, Black Panther learns that there are these incursions going on. The incursions are essentially two uh, universes colliding and with Earth as the central point. So if one of the Earths is destroyed, it prevents the incursion from happening. So the Illuminati take it upon themselves while they figure out a way to stop this overall of destroying the opposite Earth whenever an incursion happens. Now, Ex Nihilo and his you know gardeners Basically, every every ex nihili has an abyss, but they're all dead except for the one that we see running around with the Avengers. And the abyss, the uh, abyss eye are all dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so there's one with right. the one that's uh, there's one abyss with ex nihilo who's with the Avengers. Exactly right. And, they died like ten thousand years ago. Yeah, and. They're, like you said, they're the gardeners. They're the ones who have the ability to build and populate new worlds, to, to give life. Uh, they were established in Avengers number one of Jonathan Hickman's run. Um, their creators, essentially, are the builders that we you know also meet uh, here. So, okay, that raises the next question. Who are the builders? And so this is why I asked who are the builders. Your boy has read a lot of Cosmic Marvel. Yes. And in the past, uh, a lot of this kind of exposition has been tied into characters like the Celestials or the broader abstract Cosmic Marvel characters that we see in Infinity Gauntlet, which is in our last book club, or, you know, um, the Abnett and Lanning run from 2008 or whatever. Uh, In addition to that, they they they've, they have been previously established as being kind of the the planters of life and stuff, and then people like the Cree have modified pre-existing organisms. Mm. So who are these builders? So the builders similarly were created, you know, in Jonathan Hickman's run, and <clears throat> he sort of inserts them into the cosmic pantheon, if you will, as ancient creatures who were a part of or the main you know, group behind the creation of what we understand to be the universe. The difference is that they exist in several universes. They're not exclusive to mm. this one. That's right. And, and, and we do we do find out later at the very, 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 very end that there are more than just the builders and the gardeners. Thank um, you. That's right. my next question. Yeah. Can you tell me can you tell me more about the map makers? No. The black priest. No. The Sinu Serum. The Ivory Kings. Uh, we will we'll talk about that at the at the, the very end of our conversation about it. <laughs> okay. Because that leads into the next arc of this story. Mm. Oh shit, that's rad. Um damn. I'm already getting excited. I love that you guys are coming with questions and and are, you know, passionate. I guess I'm just like a little bit confused by your questions because like i all the things that sean explained are like we learned those things in the book like there's a little bit of context there but most of that was like established 
I need the exposition, my well, dude. Yeah, like it was established, but stuff like, you know, where do we meet ex nihilo the first time is that, that wasn't that was not yeah that was a yeah. question i had and then the whole like i just accepted the incursion you know but like well, yeah you giving yeah. me that context i'm like okay that's what was going yeah, on like I, I i accepted it too but i need a little extra juice here all right okay all right so just one last little bit of preamble for those of you who are coming fresh off of infinity war the movie there are so many moments that take place in this book that are echoed in that film. Um, I believe that this is in one of the lead-in issues to Infinity, but there's actually, or it might be in Infinity. I read some more stuff than we did for this podcast, just to be fully prepared. There's a moment where um, uh, Doctor Strange gets, you know, attacked by uh, Ebony Maw, and he he tortures him. That scene yeah. is directly taken for infinity war but it goes way worse for him that was that was where i sort of fell off i think new avengers initially because i uh i was i really enjoyed the hickman's new avengers and and the the adventures of the illuminati um that's a weird sentence yeah right (laughs) (laughs) um because i i distinctly remember Doctor Strange going into his, you know, his mind palace or whatever, and being corrupted in in the magic world. But then I never quite found out who it was. Um, so that that was a, a a string that I was glad to have uh, tied up. Yeah. Um, I have a, I have a couple more questions. Sure. Then we'll dive right in. <laughs> Age of Ultron. So, all right. Age of Ultron has. Ha, uh, Based based off my uh, based on what you said before, and based on the exposition of the book, has made Earth the center point of everything in cosmic Marvel. This impetus for multiversal destruction. What in Age of Ultron made that the case? I, I know you said that destruction is imminent based off other Earths colliding with this Earth, but was that something that Ultron did? Like what happened? So I I haven't read Age of Ultron in a long long time. So yeah. I, my my memory of that is a little bit hectic, but I know that an Age of Ultron takes place across different like dimensions or different Earths. Oh. It's a, yeah, it is. It's a different Earth situation. Yeah, where right. Ultron Ultron defeats the heroes and you know rises up or whatever. Oh, well, it's kind of like a uh, it's kind of like an Age of Apocalypse situation. So, yeah, it's very very similar to that. Yeah, actually. Um, is that, is that where Hyperion comes from? No. No. Okay. Oh, you know what? I actually did have uh, two more questions for you, Sean. <laughs> All right. Yeah, now, now I'm the asshole. This is um, great. You, you ask one, I'll ask one, you ask your second one. Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> when was uh, Captain Universe introduced? Because cause I, cause, like, I recognize her, but like I was confused by how she was like referenced in this book i guess dog she was a she was a costume in spider-man ps1 well i know that's what i'm saying like i i know the captain universe thing but like the whole explanation of like i don't know like there was like she was a superhero and then she was like there was her in that that uh on that one planet in the beginning with the um 
the Space Knights or whatever, oh, and like, like yeah. there was just, she, and then she was in the box, and it was like, I was just very like, kind of confused by that whole thing, and I was wondering if there was some context in Hickman's run as to why she was utilized this way. Is this Monica Rambeau, by the way? It is not Monica Rambeau. Yeah, I didn't think uh, so. I wish it was, but unfortunately it's not. To answer your question, Pete, uh, Captain Universe is a character... I know you know who who it is, but just to further answer it, so if anyone else is curious, Captain Universe is a character that is more based around the... It's sort of like the Phoenix Force. It's an entity that inhabits different bodies. So this is just one iteration of Captain Universe, and she, it's a spoiler, but it's not that big of a spoiler, so it doesn't, it won't impact anything, she, the Captain Universe entity took over the body of a woman who had been in a coma for 10 years, who was like a, like a good person, who got hit okay. by a car, and the reason why she's here now is because this is a moment of, of, I mean, this is the end. It's literally the end. We're we're in the middle of the end of the Marvel Universe. So she came now to do what she can to try to avoid that happening. But as you can tell from the scene you referenced, she's aware on some level that there is no stopping it. Sort of like Dr. Manhattan. So hopefully that Okay. Helps. Yeah, that definitely does. Just because, like, my, uh, my, like, biggest familiarity with Captain Universe is, like, that string of time... When Peter had the the powers and was right. like, "Oh, I can fly and I have all the powers of the fucking universe," it's like, "Well, this is kind of crazy." <laughs> um, so I was just like, "Oh, all right. Like, I guess this is a different Captain Universe." But like, what? Like, I felt like there was bits of that missing for me. Um, and then the other thing was, I don't remember or recognize Black Swan, and she was only really referenced in like the very beginning of the story and like the very end of the story. So you you shouldn't re- recognize her because she's also a brand new character to uh, Hickman's run, and she's really only relevant in the New Avengers books. Um, the reason why she takes she's appears so sparingly is because the story really doesn't pertain to her. Essentially, uh, she's a a prisoner of the Illuminati who they don't really know <clears throat> much about her at this point in the story themselves, but she obviously knows a lot. She believes in a god called. Rabumalal, who she believes is going to be or is the catalyst for the end of everything. But at this point in the story, we don't know who that is. Okay. Yeah, because I, I think she name-dropped Rabumalal at one point, and I was like, oh, that'll come up later, and then it didn't, and I was like, I have no idea what's going on with that. <laughs> yeah, that's wheels within wheels. That's Jonathan Hickman. That's way yeah. later. Okay, What was cool. your last question, Phil? And then we'll talk about the book. I think this is a good way to kind of transition in talking about the book last time i saw thanos was the end of thanos imperative where he gets trapped in the cancer verse with uh <laughs> dick with dick Ryder. <laughs> that's a sentence <laughs> uh because death spurned him uh how do you get here <laughs> that question i don't know the answer to uh, Bendis explores that in his Guardians run because uh, I, 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 if, oh, yeah, if I, believe, I remember that if, if I remember correctly uh, it wasn't just Dick Ryder and Thanos uh, Peter Quill was also there oh yeah yeah he was yep and that was that was a whole thing uh, I, I, know, I know he got out I, I, I read that issue it was, it was terrible but like, <laughs> how do you <laughs> it really was bad uh, I'm asking how he's 
he's he's typically kind of a loner, you know, but now he's got like a whole the squad battalion. Mm. They don't explain that uh, where like where he gets the squad from. They just kind of are there. The first time that you all see them is the first time they appear in mm. in this story. So, um, and that is a great point to jump in. That is a great point to jump in because I have comments. <laughs> hey, what a great point to jump in. <laughs> yes, I thank you for your compliments. So, Infinity tells the story of Thanos and his basically space pirates realizing that Earth is free of the Avengers because the bulk of the Avengers go to space to deal with the Builders and them coming for Earth and take trying to raise the universe. Um, so it's it's those two stories. It's it's the story in space and it's the story on Earth. Meanwhile, of course, the new Avengers, the Illuminati, are trying to stop the incursion and keep their secret intact. So, high drama, big opera stuff here. Yeah. Uh, really, really fun story that takes place over the course of 16 issues. Now, I did not like this story when I first read it. I actually really disliked it a lot. Um, I didn't like the fact that it dealt more with the builders than with the incursions because I was more invested in what what story Hickman was telling in New Avengers than in Avengers and I didn't recognize Thanos at this was 2013 at this point my only knowledge of Thanos was Infinity Gauntlet and Thanos Imperative this version of Thanos was unfamiliar to me I didn't know him as a space pirate. I didn't know him as a kind of character who would sneak up on Earth when the Avengers weren't there. I, th- I thought he would want them to be there, right? I didn't know him as a character who doesn't have the immense power that the Gauntlet provides. And also, his idea of wanting to kill all his children, I just didn't get that. Why does he have all these kids? Why does he want them dead? Etc, etc. How did the premise of the utilization of Thanos here land on you guys? It was a mixed bag for me. Mm. Um, I would say that, like, overall, I enjoyed the event Infinity, but I felt like those three very distinct storylines that you laid out for us, right? Like, I felt like they kind of clashed. And I feel like if I had read all of the tie-ins that were, like, alluded to, um, like the Thunderbolts and some of the other stuff that was, like, taking place on Earth... I might feel differently about what was going on with the Thanos storyline. Nah, you wouldn't have. Nah. Okay. Okay, cool. Then uh, my criticism stands that, like, I felt like the incursion stuff and the Thanos stuff didn't feel like it had any room to breathe. And not that it wasn't interesting or that I didn't care about it, but it felt like I was very much like, Whenever we got back to Thanos, I was like, why the fuck are we even, like, like, what does he have to do with any of this? And the reality is that he doesn't have anything to do with it. It's that you're right, that there are two different stories going on, and it's the broader story of the Marvel Universe. It's that right now, the Avengers are dealing with this world-ending, potentially life-in-the-galaxy-ending event in space. And because of that, Thanos fucking comes and backdoors planet Earth. And just sets up shop. Cool. Those are two totally separate stories. And they don't have anything to do with each other. And I feel like the Infinity storyline is really well explored. And it's like told. 
You know, like I feel like I get the whole story of the creation of the builders, what their whole deal has been for the last millennia, and then how Captain America and friends beat them. Cool, right? That felt complete. But then, like, the whole Thanos in the margins thing really felt like it was a side story, but it was, like, a B-plot that wasn't fully realized. And then at the end, when it's like, all right, post-game content, let's go save Earth! Like, it felt like a, um... What's the word I'm looking for? It felt like, like an after-credits thing. It felt like a prologue, you know? And, like, that's not inherently bad, but the pacing of the story overall felt kind of wonky to me. The fact that it was, like, you know... Because I don't know about you guys. Like, I read it in release order, not, like, one storyline, one storyline, one storyline, you know? So, like, I was trying to read it in the order that, like, the map was set out. And I felt like that worked for me. I was getting, you know, the story and getting all the bits that I needed as I needed them. Like, I felt like Hickman plotted it very well. But I just feel like there wasn't equal attention given to every part of the story. And I feel like if that's what you're going to do, like, why did we even really, like, include Thanos and the space pirates as part of, like, quote-unquote infinity? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that to an extent. Um, for me, the more interesting plot was the the interstellar space opera. Yeah. Um, and while the stuff with Thanos, you know, was interesting, it just it it did feel tacked on's not the right word, but, but kind of. A, but to a degree, I, I think, you know, if, if if I'm pressed to call it something, that's what I would call it. You know, because they swoop in and deus ex machina the whole thing and problem solved. What about you, Phil? Guards of Thanos, it kind of felt like peanuts to what he is. I've read Thanos in a lot of Starlin stuff, uh, and I've read him in a lot of the Abnett and Landing stuff. He was this in. Whole, he was a big part of Annihilation, wasn't he? Yeah, as I recall. Whole, yeah, yeah, the whole thing. Uh, he disappears uh, in Annihilation Conquest. He's not there. He's not there in um, in uh, War of Kings, and he he comes back in Thanos Imperative uh, after being uh, after replacing the new Adam Warlock. But he makes a he he's a big role he's a big figure there and his motive is always clear because I think Thanos's motive is always clear which is to please death to fuck right? death that's his whole thing gotta and bang that skeleton my man is single he's 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 myopic and he has blinders for one thing and one thing only in this book <laughs> bones <laughs> his big his big motive is to kill his son Thane because he doesn't he, he fears his son will kill him one that that's a that's very Greek that that's what happens with Saturn yeah. Saturn gets yeah. killed by his son yeah but, they they do compare it to the uh, the old uh, ancient Greek myths at some point don't they well they, they bring up the Aenid uh, Thor constantly is bringing up like classic literature for yeah. Captain America's tactics which it's fucking awesome, by the way. Yes. Um, I think Hickman's well, use of Thor was awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, 
I'm compartmentalizing things here for the moment. We're I'm yeah, just trying to talk you. about Thanos. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But this is what I took away from this. You know who Thanos reminds me of here? Josh Brolin. The oh. Dark Side. Huh. Because a big part of Darkseid's character is his fear that prophecy will come realized and Orion will kill him. That's true. My man wants to write Darkseid. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who else would come back to Earth? Fucking Darkseid. Because yeah. he does not care about... He just wants to get his shit done so he can get the anti-life equation and be unimpeded. Uh... So, the motivation of Thanos, I was left wanting a bit. But, uh, I will say, characterization-wise, he felt a lot like Josh Brolin's Thanos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, despite the the plot sort of not, the overall plot not super serving him, he still felt very threatening. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't say that I agree he felt like Josh Brolin's Thanos, because I feel like... I feel like the Russos really, like, I don't feel like their Thanos is similar to any other Thanos that I've ever read. Like, him being, like, you know, a guy who you could, like, regardless of if you agree with, you know, okay. I'm oh, getting, here we go, Pete. Tell us about how you justify uh, I don't. Of the I don't at all. I don't buy into that shit, but the <laughs> fact that, that anyone even can, like. Oh, no, Pete. <laughs> No, I'm saying it's like it, it. Like their Thanos is more complex. He's not one-minded. He doesn't have that laser-sharp focus like you're describing, Phil. Um, no, I mean, no, he does but, towards a, towards a goal, but the goal isn't like you're, because you're crossing chaos. My message. You're crossing my message. I'm saying Starlin's Thanos and Abnett Lanning and uh, and Keith Giffen's Thanos. That was someone that was singular focused. I think in both dialogue and kind of presence, it felt I, I was able to read this with someone like with the Josh Brolin kind of acting. Whereas no, no. If I were to, go ahead. if I were to go back and read Starlin era, it, he waxes so much more philosophically in his mm. dialogue. He's much more piffy. Yeah, I, what what I was saying is that I don't feel like this Thanos feels like the Russo's Thanos either, though. Like, I wouldn't, oh, okay. I don't agree, I, or I was, I'm sorry, I agree with you that he doesn't feel like the Starlin Thanos, but he also doesn't feel like the Russo's uh, Thanos, where he's like a, a man with a plan because of some, like, you know, twisted sense of, like, I'm enacting the greater good, you know? Like, here, he, his motivations are still selfish. And there's infanticide. Yeah. And, and like, it's because of his fear, but it's also because he straight up says, because I enjoy it. I enjoy killing and that, you know, like. There's that. So there are uh, elements of what Thanos is about, because even with his his entourage, uh, the the one. What are, what are the forearm guys called? They have a title. Oh, the. Uh, the Black Order. No, no the, the the Outriders, something like that. Yeah. The Outriders. Oh, Their whole yeah, thing yeah. is, uh, I want to please Thanos so that I can die. Oh, so oh, is, oh, those guys. There, there is a, like a lot of his servants have this element of like, I, I need to die for the glory of Thanos. So there is, there is certainly still that element, uh, and I don't want to take that away. And he does feel like, you know, the A-lister he is, Gauntlet or not, this guy is, honestly, he's more powerful than Superman, right? This is a big player. So at the end, 
Captain America is leading a team of Captain Marvel, who's a major player, the Incredible Hulk, who's a major player, Thor and Hyperion, four major heavy hitters, and they all get smacked by Thanos. <laughs> and, and you know, not to, I don't want to belabor this point, you know, we'll talk more about the action and stuff as we go forward, but the fight between Thor and Thanos is so awesome. And now Dude. I get how they, why they did that in Infinity War, why Thanos was the one to really test him in the end. I, I will say though, just one last thing. Uh, that that fucking shot when like they first fight and it has the it's like their two portraits. It looks like a fucking like boxing like title fight poster. <laughs> I was like, yo, they're about to throw down. The other thing that Thanos wants, we established that he wants uh, his child dead, but the other thing he wants is the remaining gem, the remaining uh, uh, infinity gem. And, and, like, also to destroy Earth if he has time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, but when the Outrider acquires the information about there being a gem left from the mind of Black Bolt, that was a critically motivating element for him where he even talks to, um, he even talks to, oh, my God, Proxima Midnight. And she's kind of like, well, who cares about that? Whatever. He's like, obviously, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Any one of these gems makes you a god. You, you've never felt it before, but I have. I want that. Um, and I love that because even though Thanos doesn't have anything to do with the you know story that Hickman's been telling this whole time, it ties him in in a small way because if he were to acquire that gem, it would create an entirely different host of problems for the Avengers who need that gem if everything else goes wrong. Mm. That It's well, the time I mean, stone. That's why they still have mm. it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole thing here, is that they're divided uh, between two major universal conflicts, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the, whole th- the, the whole thing that's at play here, is the Avengers are dealing with these uh, older-than-time entities that are trying to undo everything they created. Meanwhile, you know, uh, S tier threat is on earth fucking everything up this is like as big of the stakes as avengers could possibly have i also think that there's there's a really important angle to it too where there's like the interpersonal drama where like the the illuminati are like doing all of this shit in the shadows yes and on top of that namor and black panther are like in a fucking blood feud you know like their their countries are literally at war and this this doesn't um this doesn't super add into uh, this part of the story, but um, in the first, the first uh, like issue of New Avengers, um, Cap was part part of that group. Oh, I was dying to talk about this. Go ahead. I was gonna bring that up because I was gonna ask if this was before or after, because I know that in like the because isn't and Sean, you'll remember better than I. It's been probably fucking what ten years since I read this. Some of the shit. Um, wasn't the, like, conclusion of the original Illuminati storyline that, like, Captain America finds out about it and is like, nah, like, I'm gonna join the Illuminati because, like, you need me there to, like, be the moral compass? And now they're off doing all this shit without him because he's fighting a space war. (laughs) Well, basically, basically what ends up happening is they find out about these incursions and every and 
everybody you know everybody is standing around like they do in this book and they're like well fuck we gotta destroy these other earths and cap is like uh, no we don't <laughs> so they so they wipe his memory and kick him off the team and that's where beast comes in yeah classic shit classic illuminati shit okay um pete kind of already went into it but i think this book is spectacular i was blown away by just how intricate it was this wheels and wheels as you put it um it just works too like despite the some of the like attention issues of the story like the mechanisms of it that he sets up are so fucking intricate but like there's payoff for almost everything he sets off sets up and if not apparently it gets resolved later you know so it's like it's interesting you say that because I think that's a mark of a really talented writer because mm-hmm. there are many writers who come up with really good concepts and they can't stick the landing, mm-hmm. which is something I complain about on the Comics Pals proper uh, fairly regularly. But Hickman is able to really pay everything off because everything he does feels like it's of major consequence. And he's able to really establish characters with really thoughtful dialogue choices. Yeah, and I think that's huge because there are so many characters in this story, period, and, like, making... giving all of them their moment or at least making enough of them shine with such a big cast is in and of itself challenging. And then, like, there are a lot of characters that were either totally new or, like, to his run or that the broader audience is probably not as familiar with like some of the cosmic characters and stuff like that. And like, he does a really good job of keeping their voices consistent and giving you a sense of their personality so that even if you don't know who they are, you can like pick up on their dynamics or like who, like their personality so that you can like read the story and appreciate it without knowing all of the context around it. I really appreciate Cosmic Marvel a lot, and it's been very frustrating to feel like I haven't been able to revisit stuff post-Thanos Imperative, or The Annihilators, I guess, was the last of that run, because I've always felt like everything has just become much more uh, basic, I guess, because the cool thing, yeah, in terms of the Cosmic Marvel stuff, just not paying the respect to this dimension and how complicated it all is and along comes this and it feels like a spiritual spiritual successor to that series of books and there's an almost morrison-esque uh you know dedication to all these smaller characters and how the intricate weavings of this celestial body of marvel like interacts with one another and with but it doesn't write like Morrison. It's not as pithy. It has like a Frank Herbert Dune aspect of it, where it really feels like it's all lived in and like all these characters. Not that Morrison doesn't do that, but uh, it's just like maybe the best thing I've read from Marvel of the last like five years. It's spec. It's so good. I I feel like I feel like the Morrison comparison is good because I was thinking that while I was reading this that it feels similarly large you know like where like everything is there's so much gravity and you know like i think it's it's similar in that way but like you said i feel like it's similar but different frankly that's yeah it's just because it's like it's tighter i think 
Like, I feel like, not to say that Morrison's writing isn't tight, but I feel like there are a lot of times where, um, like, when we when we read his, you know, his new Green Lantern run, right? Like, I read the first three issues, I guess, two or three issues. And that book would, like, throw out a crazy, like, space location or term or something like that and just be like... You don't need to know what it means. It doesn't matter. Where I feel like almost everything that Hickman says or, like, anything that he dropped was a nugget for something later. You know? Like, it's a breadcrumb. So, like, when he does say this weird, bullshit, made-up thing that you've never heard before, he'll say it, and then it comes up again, you're like, oh, I remember that. And then you get an explanation of it, you know? That's that's, that's most long-form Morrison books, too. And, well, I, and I, I don't have the experience with his work that you guys do, so, like, you know, I'm not – that's I, just based on what I've read of his stuff, I feel like it feels different because it feels more like – every single thing feels very, very intentional. Hmm. So Hickman obviously has a reverence for Cosmic Marvel. The difference between his writing and Morrison's is that Hickman – Everything he does is is extremely deliberate to exist in the moment and in the future. Um, he's also very yes. careful to use as to say as much as he can with as little dialogue as possible because he has a lot of stuff he has to take to say. He's he's very dialogue heavy. He is very dialogue heavy. The dialogue has an intense weight to it. Yes, and every character sure. feels like the character. That's one of the things that in the reread, like I said, I hated this book. That's one what of the changed th- your mind? Thank you for asking me that. So when I first read this, I didn't like the cast of the Avengers because they were way too wacky for me. I didn't care about them. Uh, and I'm talking I mean, about you know, every- like Nightmask, Sean. Right, like I just couldn't get into <laughs> you know Nightmask and Smasher and Captain Universe and all that. Um, I didn't, I didn't like that. And then also, I didn't like the fact that... Because I had been reading this whole big story, that here comes Thanos. I didn't like that he was unrecognizable. Yeah. I didn't like that he came out of left field because there was no buildup. Um, that stuff bothered me. I also really wanted them to focus more on the incursions. I also didn't like that the builders, who had been built up as this unstoppable force, got dunked on, essentially, in the end. And it felt like, well, why are they getting dunked? What's the reason why this is happening? Um, what makes them all of a sudden beatable? Was so, oh, sort of really? My, Do you yeah. still feel that way? I have a lot of different opinions than I did back cool. then. Cool. All right, cool. I actually cool. think this is one of the best events Marvel has ever had. I agree. Like, just because, like, I feel like they did a good job of setting them up as an imposing threat. And then, like, when they lost, I didn't feel like they got, like, their ass kicked. I just feel like Captain America fucking clowned them out. You know, like, where it's, like, they were confident, you know, where it's, like, there's there's no scenario where we lose, and that's why they lost, you know? Well, let's talk about let's talk about that a little bit. So, yeah. the Builders, uh, their whole goal here, they represent a full measure of solving the problem. The Illuminati represents a half measure. The problem is the incursions. The Builders know what's happening. They just want to deal with it by eliminating this earth. Get rid of it, make make it so that there's nothing left, and then let's repopulate it later if there's still something to repopulate. 
Whereas the, Do you know who they reminded me of? Who? The Reapers from Mass Effect. Yes. I agree. Um, their design is kind of Mass Effect-y, too. The Illuminati are like, well, wait, let's take this step by step and figure out a way to resolve this so that no one has to die. And what Black Swan keeps saying, which is the absolute truth and why the builders are so important, is that everything dies. You cannot stop this. And the builders represent that. So them coming into this story here and making their presence felt so strongly, uh, for me as a reader who had been involved in this whole thing, was like, oh my god, they could lose right now. Like, this could all end in this story. And I wasn't expecting that. Um, When it gets to the point where everyone is surrendering, I honestly remember myself six years ago going, what what the hell? Like, how do you get out of this? There's no way out of this. And then there's that moment, which to me is one of the best moments throughout this entire story, where Thor is the one who is the uh, diplomat, not Captain America, not who you would expect. It's Thor. I love how he calls him. He's like, I'm sending in my best negotiator. And I was like, Thor? Really? <laughs> he sure fucking is. <laughs> and when he when he gives the hammer away, my first read, I was like, no. He, like, he, I, I thought, okay, he's going to go down there and, you know, try to fight to the death. But he gives the hammer away. I'm like, oh, my God. And when it comes back. When it does a whole revolution around the sun, when it comes back and it's through Aleph's body, I that was lost it. So epic! Like what a scene, dude! Incredible. I think to me, there's only one other scene uh, that even comes close to that in terms of just like sheer fucking gravity, and it's in that same issue, uh, and it's the fight. I think it's the same issue anyway. It's the fight between uh, Black Bolt and Thanos. That's one of like, my favorite moments in all yeah. of comic books. That, yeah, that shit is so badass. Yeah. When Thanos just picks him up and he just screams, no. No, yeah. And, and blows up the, oh my god. Like, what it's, a what a moment, dude. It's it's so challenging, I think, to you, you world build, you world build, you, you build your Legos one after the other, and then you knock them all over. When... Black Bolt destroys his entire capital city, where all where the secret society of Inhumans have been living for thousands of years. He just levels it all, and Thanos is relatively unscathed. Just utterly spe- uh, spectacular. Uh, and, that and to, to the okay. oh, go, no, go ahead, Phil. Go ahead. To, to your point, that that scene with Thor and the Builder on Hala, the 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 capital world of. The Kree Empire. That was so creative, so imaginative, so the, <laughs> the way they dialogue the scene where he's talking down to Thor on his knees and he slaps him. Just utter disrespect. It, oh, just this book has uh, it has the payoffs, the, the action payoffs that are necessary for a, an event like this. Absolutely. This is what I live for as a fan of comic books. This kind of big event storytelling. This is why I always say I'm a sucker for events because there's always an opportunity to get this. Um, And obviously, this paid off. It doesn't always pay off like this. But Hickman is an incredible 
writer with a lot of chops. Now, I want to talk about the characters in this book. We've we've talked about the interpersonal moments and how the characters feel like who they're supposed to be. In particular, I want to talk about the Illuminati. Every one of them is being corrupted by what they are doing, by what they have been doing. And that's what Cap that's why Captain America, what Kale referenced, that's why Captain America sort of tells them we can't do this, isn't to destroy our souls. That's a common theme throughout this storyline as it relates to the Illuminati. We see them all do things that are awful. Black Bolt uh, launches the Terrigen Bomb. And that is the catalyst for all these people who have been living normal lives all of a sudden being burdened by Terrigenesis and becoming inhuman. If he had never done that, Thanos probably would have would have won because Thane would never have awakened. But it's still kind of an awful thing to enforce this burden now on all these people who never had to endure it. What did you yeah. guys think about that moment? I thought that that moment... Um, so I, I was actually going to say this before when we were talking about the... The thing with the Inhumans, uh, or not with the Inhumans, with Black Bolt and Thanos, and then as well as like the conflict with Thor. I feel like Hickman does such a good job. Like his writing is like watching someone set up a really, really intricate like domino set, and then just flicking the last one over and like watching it all go, you know. And like the the theme that you just established, right, of the Illuminati doing horrible things that change them. The first page of Infinity, the the last line on it is is Black Panther saying, "I'm not waiting. I'm remembering who I used to be," you know. Mm. And that theme is shown throughout the Inhuman storyline as well, because our first introduction to Black Bolt is that is his guards talking about the fact that there's doubt in him as king, you know, and that like uh, that like confidence in him is wavering. You know, so like that moment is like it's a horrible thing to do, but I feel like it's the desperate act of a king looking to salvage what's left of his destroyed kingdom. Let me just jump in with two quick points. So yeah. number one, in the prelude to Infinity, we see what what they're actually talking about with Black Bolt. The reason they say that is because Medusa Basically, Black Bolt and Medusa have a place they go to where they can talk, like in the mind. Yeah. And Black Bolt can speak to her. And she can see what's in his brain. And he can see what's in her brain. And she says, I know you're hiding something from me. You need to reveal what it is right now. And it comes out what he's been doing. She is disgusted by his acts and what he's been doing. So that causes a schism between him and his wives. That's okay. why there's lack of confidence because he's he's as strong as his wives are and they're not together. The other thing um, that you mentioned that I wanted to comment on was uh, the uh, what did you just say? You said that point, then you made another point. The uh, what about Black Panther? Right, um, uh, Black Panther. I can't remember what I was going to say. I'm not. That. I'm not waiting. I'm remembering who I used to be. That was the line I referenced. Uh, it's not ringing any bells. I, I can't remember what I was going to say. Sorry. Kill, you were going to jump in. Yeah. Um, I One thing I want to point out, though, is um, at the toward the end, um, in a, you know, like a mind conversation with uh, Maximus the Mad. Uh, 
That's mm. what I was going to say. Yeah, go ahead. Max, Max points out, or he's having this conversation with Black Bolt, and he's trying to figure out why he wanted to to detonate the bomb. And, and you know, we don't get an answer. And then Max says something to the effect of, oh, you were going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So I yeah so I don't I don't know that I agree with the point that it's a the act of a desperate king. I think it's like he was gonna do it. It, mm. it definitely reads that way in the moment, but once you have that that epilogue conversation between Maximus and his brother Black Bull, you realize he was always prepared and wanted to do this horrible thing. This is this is the kind of thing Black Bull. This is the kind of leader he is. He he he's more of a even though he leads the secret society and their whole thing for years and years to keep uh adelon concealed is he's not a guy who's afraid to launch a preemptive strike kind of thing mm. this is a guy who for a period of time was the leader of the kree empire i was gonna say they are they're all kree they're all kree right yes yeah the, the, the inhumans yeah. were created by the kree yeah so let's talk about some of the other crimes that are committed by the illuminati Doctor Strange obviously gets his mind messed with bad by Ebony Maw in mm. one of the best scenes, I think, also in this book. Then he uses black magic, which we know is a no-no. He uses black magic to try to stop Supergiant from launching those bombs in Wakanda, the Necropolis. Then... We see him at the end of the at the end of the story. I believe it's in uh, New Avengers twelve. He locks himself in a room in the Sanctum Santorum and tells Wong, "Don't come in here. Don't knock on this door for three days. And if I'm not out, tell Reed Richards to put this place somewhere away." Because yeah. he's, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, put the entire fucking sanctum in the negative zone because I'm summoning the devil. <laughs> this dovetails so beautifully with Civil War. If you remember, it's a small moment, but it's where Wong asks Doctor Strange, you could end this conflict with a, with a snap of your fingers. Why are you not involving yourself? And he essentially says it's not his place to determine the fate of, of these people. They need to figure it out for themselves. This is a Doctor Strange that is so changed. Yeah, didn't he, didn't he go meditate on the moon or some bullshit? He, 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 I think he just meditates in his house. I don't think he appears again uh, after that scene, if I recall correctly. But um, now he's willing to use black magic to mm. try to stop this issue. And I promise you... That what happens after this is so crazy with Doctor Strange that I wish we had read it too. It's unbelievable <laughs> where he goes. Because this, this this stuff leads into uh, Jason Aaron and uh, Barcello's run, right? Oh no, there's still uh, there's still a couple years left of Hickman's run before so, that. Yeah. So to to kind of shift a, a little bit, what did you guys think about the council? The Galactic well, Council—that was a crazy well, wait, group. Wait, Go ahead. Wait. Whoa, whoa. I, I, I bit my tongue, so I was letting you. Oh, finish sure, your, sure. Sorry. Your Illuminati thing. Um, to me, this speaks to what I, 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 I can't, I can't comment on what happens, but it feels like it's uh, indicative of what's to come because the whole epilogue is about how. Oh, you guys haven't solved any of your own problems. You've needed all these other people to come in here and solve your shit. 
And the whole thing with the Illuminati is they have to go, they have to cross lines that they shouldn't cross, but they're prepared to cross because they can't solve their own problems. And whatever's on the horizon is worse. They're only taking, they're doing all this dirt to only take half measures to solve a problem that's outside of their scope. It's unbelievable. Well, and it's it's interesting too that like you know they they do all this and they rely on other people you know like the Black Swan says and that we pointed out but like Captain America's whole thing is no we got to step up we got to do it ourselves we got to figure this out he's a, it's a Superman thing where it's you don't cross a line you step up and find another way yeah yeah well Captain America is very much the moral compass of marvel in this in this at this particular time he's not down we we talked about it. he's not down with what the illuminati are doing the only reason he hasn't stopped them is because they wiped his brain and he doesn't know that, obviously as you can imagine comes up later um but i just love that contrast the light and the dark and what you said in, in the middle of that you kind of have black swan going all of this is inconsequential it doesn't matter what choices you make you're dead you can't escape death that's the whole thing here and it ties into this dialogue that happened throughout the story which is captain american captain marvel telling uh what's his name that uh there is no fate there's no greater purpose here we're we're just doing what we have to do to get to the next day where thor says uh all respect to steve rogers there is a greater fate here and he goes on to talk about how basically it's that guy's day but really it ties into this bigger thing with Black Swan basically saying, mm. like, uh, you may be trying to go to the next day, but ultimately your fate is sealed. Mm. Can we just real quick, that conversation with Thor is so good. Oh, <laughs> Hickman uses Thor so sparingly in this book, but every scene he has is so good. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Thor really comes across great in this series. He comes across as a character. You know, we often see Thor as like this beer swelling, like jokey guy, mm. especially with the Marvel Cinematic Universe interpretation. Here, he really feels like a like a deity. He he comes across like a god who hangs out with humans. Like he's he's he carries himself like he's bigger than them, but he doesn't act that way. He doesn't treat them that way. You know, like, I just love that fine balance that Jonathan Hickman strikes between he's a god, but he also messes with humans on a regular basis. He knows how to relate to both. He, he feels a lot like uh, like a Hercules or like a Superman kind of figure in that way, where it's like he, he feels like, like a demigod, you know, of like, yeah, like, he's a god and he's a true hero, but like, he's also like, he's a man. So like, he knows what it's like to be mortal. You know, and like he doesn't feel like he feels above them, but he doesn't like, but not like emotionally. You know, like even like the way that he goes and he's like, with all due respect to Steve Rogers, like he's a great guy, but like he's a soldier, you know, and like that's where he has that mentality from. And it's like you have to have something more. It's funny you compared him to like a Superman because who I likened him to in this book was Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman yes. has that sure, yeah, of, that deity kind of aspect. Yeah, because uh, Superman's probably the type of character that would say something like, you know, we're just trying to get to the next day. But Wonder Woman would have this divine kind of perspective of like, well, the gods have this fate for us and their decision will, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and I also, with the scene with the hammer, that's the type of scene Wonder Woman would have. Yeah, that's true. 
just because she's brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and she'll also fucking ice a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I would also point out it's it's a the way Hickman uses Thor is it's a he's a very realized Thor. Yes. You know, yes. he's he's very much had his experience, you know. Yeah. This is this is a Thor who is mature and is, you know, spent his time as a human and then, you know, went and did his petulant bullshit and now he's fighting a galactic war alongside the Avengers and he knows what he can do and he knows what death looks like. And and it's funny because even here he says this is my day. This is what fate has has had in store for me my entire life. And it, when you hear that from him, this guy who's fought, you know, countless conflicts in his life, it adds a little, bit, a little bit to the gravitas of it. Absolutely, yeah. And and I also just, like, I, I love kind of his meditation on heroism there. Because, like, he, he says the thing where it's like, you know, like, fate has, like, decided that this is what we have to do because we're the only ones who can do it. You know, like, that's, like, a very... Um, it's interesting because it like brings that kind of, I don't know, I guess like the spiritual aspect to the idea of like, because um, it, it's interesting. It's like a very like humanist kind of idea that like you have to do the right thing because you're the only one who can do the right thing. But it's also that you're predestined to do it because you're a hero, you know, and you're like you. that. Yeah. yeah, you're you. And because you're who you are, that's why you're the hero that you are. And that's why you're here right now in this moment fighting to save the world, you know, or more than the world, you know. And Sean, the, Sean, to answer your question from before, which is how about this Galactic Council, this this made me so hype. Yeah, man, dude, such an all-star fucking cast. It's it's well, it's just it, it, this is the kind of shit that was happening in the Abbott and Landing Marvel uh, Cosmic Odyssey, right? You have these massive players here. You have uh, Ronan and the Supreme Intelligence representing Kree, which are the largest empire in all of Marvel. You have Gladiator, who's all of a sudden the emperor of the uh, of the Shi'ar Empire, the and, Shi'ar. and and. How he has this conflict of being a gladiator, but now he's got to be a reluctant leader. You have the Brood Queen, which is rad as hell. I fucking love the Brood, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you you have Jason from Spartax, and then you have a Nihilist of all people from the Negative Zone. Dude, the fact that he's even there was crazy. Like, you know what he's about. Right? He destroyed a third of all life in the universe. <laughs> and not just that. Exactly. And they and, and they say like, you know, he he he's like, Oh, let me just bring my drones and they're like, Well, can you control them? And he's like, No Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> that was my favorite part. And like every time that he talked, he's just like, Kill them all or we'll die in glorious battle. Like <laughs> The other part that he has where where they're all like Captain America is basically establishing that, that Thanos is nuts, and he's like, "Can any of you understand his rationale for wanting to kill his kid, and all his kids?" And everybody's like, "Nah." Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, thing, the scene that made me the most hype of anything in this book is so 
the, the whole Captain America strategy throughout this is really cool. So, like, the first part where he brings Thor yes. down as his emissary, and then he kills one of them. But then the second part where it's like, all right, we surrender. Or, no, that was the first part, was we surrender. But the second part is, all right, shit, we're backs against the wall. Annihilus, do your bullshit. And then it's this wave of the Annihilation wave coming through the negative zone. And I was like, holy shit, here we go. It's fucking on. And the fucking uh, builders are like, oh, such primitive minds. The hive mind, this is the most simplest type of fucking thinking in all of, like, uh, cognitive thought. And he just, they just alter their fucking, like, wavelength so they respond to them instead of fucking Annihilus. And they all turn on each other. And I went, I was like, holy shit. This is the realest shit. Yeah, because, like, that wave is gone. (laughs) That felt like such a, like, Trump card. You know, you're just like, oh, fuck. Like, I can't believe they're so desperate that they would release the fucking Annihilation Wave. Like, holy fuck. And then it's, like, over in two pages. I was like, oh, my God. Like, (laughs) what the hell? Like, that was... That was, like, another example of what a good job Hickman does at, like, establishing the threat. You know? Of being like, no, like, these guys are... They're otherworldly powerful, and the only reason that the heroes are not even just the heroes, like, that, like, every person, right, like, all life in the galaxy can win is because, A, like, they're cocky, and B, like, Steve Rogers is a tactical fucking genius, and, like, that's it, you know? (laughs) The the fact that he gets the Galactic Empire, who at the beginning of the story referred to Earth as a backwater planet... To respect him by the end is such a the fact that like moment. they're all they all just start calling him Where the captain. I was like, that's so badass. <laughs> yeah, and they're down, they're down to go yeah. and save Earth when right. they don't care. Well, it doesn't matter. Like it's just whatever. But they're like, you know what? He deserves it. Let's go. Jason Aspartax, who's you know fucking waxing. Yeah. you back world species. You're from Kentucky, <laughs> and I'm from New York City. <laughs> I love Jason, by the way. He's one of my favorite characters. His just insane arrogance is and like disrespect. He's such a so douche. Great. But the the other character we didn't mention, who I really love here too, um, is Clark. The Super Scroll. He's always he's always a home run. Yeah, I love he's, the Super Scroll. He's, he's no pun no pun, but he's really like a Ronin, like a Japanese Ronin with two chips on each shoulder. <laughs> and, yeah. and his his payoff at the end is so satisfying. You mean they becomes uh, the yeah, this fucking of the dude is laying on the line constantly. Yep, yep. And when you think about where the scrolls have been. For so many years, if you you know if you're familiar with Marvel Cosmic, the fact that they now have like a legit home and he's the emperor and everything else, like that's that's the that's the cap. Yeah, the story. If, if you're a now. Star Trek fan, the, the scroll are like the Klingon, and they're like these yeah. very aggressive, warring type people. And after Galactus ate their home world, they had no queen, and all these different warring factions of the planet have all are all you know segmented and the scroll are never unified and they're already divided because their homeworld's gone now that the super scroll here is like their crown emperor it's like it's a a satisfying pathos for this like whole character story arc i want to talk if we can about the black order 
because they obviously grew in popularity tremendously post-Infinity War. But if all you know about them is that movie, you don't know them. They're so fantastic, I think, in this series. Um, Each one of them gets very uniquely cool and special moments. Since we're around that period, we can talk about Black Dwarf. He's the big guy. Uh, At first, he gets dunked on by Thanos. Thanos just bashes his head in. Yeah, because Black Panther kicks his ass. Cause, yeah, because Black I, Panther I, beats him down. I never took him seriously after Black Panther beat his ass because like a yeah. normal human beat his ass. So when Ronan and the Super Scroll and whomever else started fighting him, I was like, this guy says no fucking... Dude, yeah, like that, that fucking shot, though, like where they just show up and you're just like, oh, it's about to go down. Like, you stand <laughs> accused! <laughs> but what I... I love that part. But what I wanted to say was that he says something I thought was was really like actually intelligent um he's basically saying they call him a villain and he's like villain you're messing with emperors the kree have enslaved however many people the scroller this everything else and you're gonna judge what we are doing all of these people could murder any like you could turn on each other in a second and i love that point because i think it under it like caps the desperation of the Avengers, you could read this book if you. If this is all you've ever read, you don't know how horrible all of those people are. But when he says that, it's like, oh yeah, they're garbage. Yeah, they're helping right now, but who's to say they won't turn on Cap this after is, this, this is over? This would be the equivalent of the Justice League teaming up with like the Injustice Society to take out Dark Side or something. Dude, it's it's like it's literally the equivalent of World War Two of like. America and Russia being like, all right, like, yeah, like the Nazis are worse than each other. Let's team up for now and then we'll hate each other when it's over. Like, mm. it's, you know, like it's. Sure. Yeah, like they're all together right now because the other, the alternative is like, like definitely annihilation. You know? <laughs> Did you guys have a particular favorite uh, Black Order? I don't, I don't feel like any of them is like super interesting like as a character as much as they are just like they're like they feel like um they just they feel like like badass action figure sidekicks you know where it's like they all have their own gimmick and each one of their gimmick is cool their design is cool and like they're tough and it's like i get the sense that they're imposing and they're powerful and like they're nihilistic so they don't give a fuck and it's like oh cool like they're imposing. Maybe, maybe Ebony Ma actually. He, yeah, he he, he kind of feels like Desaad from uh, the the Fourth World comics. Yes, this character who's always kind of trying to kind of uh, undermine the main antagonist and do his own thing, but all the while he's like Starscream. I feel like he's inherently the most interesting because his power isn't to fight. Like, every other one of them is basically just a bad motherfucker or, like, a wizard. And it's like, you know, like, he's, like, you know, he is, he's very buttoned up and, like, he's got this very, like, unassuming look to him. But, like, you know, I remember, like, in the, um, in one of the descriptions of the characters or something like that that I read, it was like, oh, like, he's, he's actually, like, the most dangerous one of them all, you know? Like, yeah. And it's like, you know, like, you see what he does to Doctor Strange, and it's like, yeah, like, he's he's a tough guy. I really like uh, Corvus Glaive. He, 
he comes across as like a generic like evil guy, but the fact that he exists in his in his glaive is actually really sick. He he's not dead right now. He's inside mm. the glaive. Uh, that's why um, Proxima makes sure to grab it because that's oh really okay. That makes a lot of sense now. I like Proxima because she isn't relegated to just being Corvus's wife. She's actually a beast of her own merit. I mean, she's the strongest one physically. Well, her and Black Dwarf, yeah. Um, and then, and she's the best fighter. Right. That was the description thing. Was that like she's like the most skilled? Yeah. Super Giant is crazy. I really like that character, and I like that she was the one who almost ended everything right there, where she had um, Black Bolt under mind control or whatever. That part was really cool. There's just so many cool things in this book. I think the thing about that cast of characters, other than like the Ebony Maw, it's is similar to kind kind of what Pete said, but just like uh, another step. You know, they do they do have like that cool action figure and descriptor. Uh, feel to them but like they would also say stuff like this spear was forged in the heart of a star and pulled out of the Hulk's <laughs> anus and we ripped it through the brain of Ultron and uh, Thanos gave it to me himself and it's like I mean I mean, that's pretty cool yeah but like what do you want me to do with that <laughs> I get off on all that all that type of like heady description I'm into it when Supergiant was like, oh, Thanos found me in, yes. A, yes. <laughs> in a home for abused people, and mm. he killed he killed his child right next to me, and I was like, kill me next. And he was <laughs> like, nah. I was like, okay. <laughs> no, I'm with you, Sean. That's, that's the shit I get off on. The thing, the thing about that is that, like, we only got that with Supergiant, and then they only say the stuff about, uh, I, that was Proxima Midnight's spear, right? And they were only just those teeny tiny blips of, you know, exposition for those characters. And then that was it. Well, yeah, Dwarf does say the cool thing to the to the guys about like, oh, well, you're all pieces of garbage. And then Ebony Maw, I mean, he's all he's the he's the reason that Thanos lost. He's trying to play himself up yeah. to the next level. He's like, well, Dane is probably more of a badass. so I'm going to ride with him. Oh, I love that part. Sure. Yeah, well, and I also, I very much got the impression that that was, like, his, like, Dick Cheney moment, where he's like, oh, he's young and impressionable, you know? Yeah. I can get in at the ground level and steer the ship here. So, I want to I wanna talk about the art, but let's just kind of wrap this story, if we can. So, uh, it ends with Thane touching Thanos in the final moments of this battle, where clearly, if that didn't happen, Thanos was about to destroy Cap. Captain America, Captain Marvel, Thor, and Hulk. He was dispatching of them. Thane touches him, and then uh, Thanos and Proxima are, are encased in amber. So we find out that that's his other power. That leaves Thanos in a very, very interesting and strange place. And that was one of the problems that I had with the ending when I first read it. Because it felt, it felt like cheap a little bit like oh all right yeah he's just we're putting him on ice yeah he's on he literally just on ice this time though reading it i didn't feel so strongly because it would make it makes sense to me that thanos would have a very powerful child uh of course this this one that doesn't die immediately ends up probably being the most powerful of any of his children but i also like the fact that ebony maw 
behind the scenes kind of made this whole thing happen. It doesn't pay off very well, but I did like it more this time. How'd you guys feel about that? The reason why it didn't really bother me terribly much is because it felt like, all right, they're saving this for later. (laughs) That was literally my thought. Like, okay, yeah, uh, this is for later, which is totally fine. It's also very obvious that Hickman wanted to keep Thanos in play, but take him off the board for now, because he factors heavily into what happens later. That was how I felt about it, where it was like, it felt like very much um, kind of like cheap in the way that you were like complaining about when you were younger of being like, okay, like cool, whatever, fine. Um, But it didn't like bother me because like I read comic books. It's like, yeah, of course he's not dead. He's fucking Thanos. He's going to come back at some point anyway. Like at least this isn't them being like, oh, he's dead and now he's reborn for some reason. It's like, whatever. Yeah, he's in a fucking block of ice. Who fucking cares? He'll come back when it's appropriate for him to fucking do shit again. How about where the story leaves Black Panther and his status in Wakanda? That was crazy. I that I was like that kind of gave some context to me about the the Ta-Nehisi Coates Ta-Nehisi yes. Coates run that we read. I was like, "Oh, so this is why he hasn't been king for like years." Absolutely. Um, well, it was another thing where it was just like so Namor tells Thanos to go to Wakanda in exchange for the sparing Atlantis. And during the Illuminati meeting, they're like, what happened to you, Namor? And he said, oh, all of Atlantis was destroyed. And we're like, oh, shit. Okay, shit. That never got paid off, but it was a thought where it's like, well, Black Panther was like, he basically bailed Namor's ass out at the end. I'm sure that's going to have a major payoff later. Yeah, so I mean, <clears throat> the only reason yo, why... Fuck, yo, fuck Namor, dude. He's such an asshole. <laughs> Namor is one of my favorite Marvel characters, specifically because of this time period. I love how he's always scheming and doing things, but I actually kind of felt for him here. He, His world got attacked by the Wakandans, and he's like, but wait, Black Panther and, and our boys kind of, like, why did he let this happen? And it's because of what they're doing in Shadows. Black Panther can't say, don't attack Atlantis. He has to let it happen. And so to take revenge, Namor's like, yeah, go over to Wakanda. You know? Yep. Um, But would he have done that regardless? Probably. What was the reasoning for Wakanda going to war with Atlantis? Oh, um... Oh, God. I I I don't remember. remember. I can't remember. Uh, They were looking for the other gems. Oh, oh, why Wakanda went to Landis? I don't know. I... Like, why the why did they attack them? I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't recall. Um, I don't know if it was present in the stuff that we read, but if it was, there was so much detail that I don't know if I uh, caught it. Weren't there, I, I don't think it was, weren't there, uh, weren't there Atlantean sleeper agents yes. in Wakanda at yes. some point or another? Yep. For some reason? Yeah. Uh, because I think Namor had just been, like, scouting them for the longest. Um, I mean, I, ca- I can't recall what the specific reason was. So, I mean, it sounds like that the root reason is that Namor's a dick, so... Well, actually, I'm, I'm here reading, and it, uh, it basically says before... Just before this whole incursion thing starts, like, when Black Panther invites them for the meeting, 
Uh, Namor had previously killed a bunch of Wakandans uh, in some conflict, and Black Panther. I think it says that he flooded Wakanda. That's way later. That that's way okay. Later. Um, Black Panther tells Namor like, "Hey, man." Whenever this all is over, you and I are going to have it out. But for now, we need to work together. The problem is that that was a that was a deal between them that didn't involve Shuri, who is not about to let that slide. So that's why they yeah. went to Atlantis. Or yeah, okay. So yeah, I mean, obviously this this story leaves all these characters in a very very interesting place. Did it leave the characters in a place where you are intrigued to see what happens next? Only for the new Avengers. <laughs> the illuminati they and, yeah. and and that was my stance for you know years ago when this was running and it, it remains my stance now like they are the most interesting part of this era for me yeah i agree i'm, I'm a big fan of the illuminati in general um, you know <laughs> okay uh but yeah so i i i agree i think i would be interested in reading the rest of this new avengers run how about you, Fuck, Phil? man, I want to read all this Hickman shit. <laughs> so before we before we jump ship, I want to talk about the art, because I think that the art really is uh, great throughout these issues. So for the Core Infinity story, we've got Jim Chung sharing uh, art duties throughout the different issues with Jerome Pena, Dustin Weaver, and then um, you've got Mark Morales and Justin Ponser on uh, Inks. And then Chris Eliopoulos on uh, on uh, colors. Uh, Justin Ponzer was on colors. Oh yeah, sorry, I got that wrong. Mark and Justin were on colors. Chris was on well, sort of. Uh, Mark Mark was on inks, and then Justin Ponzer was on colors. Um, there you go. I want to particularly shout out the colors in the Infinity issues. Um, Justin Ponzer is a fucking dynamo. Because like if you if you look at Dustin Weaver and what was the other guy Jerome Opinia in in the issues between one and six where Jim Chung does most of the um, of those issues the 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 art does switch between the two artists and there is a difference but I'll be damned if you could find it because Justin Ponzer and the the Inkers uh, do it so well the the tone is so consistent that it like you it has the same feel and you just yeah it's seamless it just feels cohesive um they do a really good job with like lighting and color too like in uh issue number two has a few of my favorite moments of the book uh there's the scene where the ex nihilo commits suicide to destroy the world yeah and there's that scene of of the family giving thor their babies to be saved mm. and just the color of even just like there's the there's the one panel of like the the mother outstretching her hand and like the child reaching for her and there's like this like the what's left of the sunset you know as like the rest of them are flying away and you can see the blackness overtaking the world and like it's just so powerful and then like the the last panel on that page uh you have like all of the avengers watching 
the the world get destroyed and and then the caption is it was our first victory uh, yeah man shit and there's this uh there's in that scene smasher is like sitting there just like with her hand over her mouth just like so like shocked by it and it's like it's just such a it's such a it's good a, moment it's it's that old it's that old literary motif of that coming of age and war yeah, and, and I think this book does such a good job with it, and it's I, I don't think I've seen another superhero book deal with war as well as this, except for... Um, Annihilation. No, come on, you guys know what I'm talking I, about. I'm Te- telling you, that I'm giving you the fire right now, my dude. No, but it's but I'm thinking of um, of Tom King's book. Uh, Sheriff of Bat... Omega Man. Omega Man, thank you. Uh, yeah, and, and this gave me some... Like, that moment gave me some serious Omega Man vibes. Yeah, th- this was a more thoughtful book than I f- than I realized when I first read it, um, and we didn't talk too much about that. I think a lot of that stuff is pretty clear, and there's not. I wouldn't say that it's super nuanced. The, the messages aren't hidden, but they're they're well placed. Yeah, it just it just feels authentic. It just feels like the characters are authentically going through this shit. And that it's hard, you know, and like it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it has a lot to say about it. It's just portraying it in a way that feels genuine, you know. But I, I did want to just on the, the case of the art, um, uh, there was some art in the Avengers proper that really. We'll that. Oh, okay. yeah, I want to I want to talk about each separate. OK, I'm sorry. Phil, what were you going to say? Art in Infinity proper is how art in major events is supposed to look yes and it doesn't always work that way because there's always some kind of not always but a lot of the times there's always all kinds of delays and issues like two or three artists on a book and get sloppy because they have these trying to get these major books out on a certain timeline uh this this does not look like that uh it's it's beautiful it's absolutely lanil you has to fill in for goddamn everybody and which is crazy because Marvel's always known for being the more pretty of the two major books. Like Marvel's always known for having mm. the better art. DC has the better writing. Marvel has the better art. That's like the fucking thirty-year-old tried and true sort of stereotype. But when Marvel yeah. fucks up their major events art, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? When you look at this book, though, Infinity, and all of the things that are happening, right? Like it's not just you know space stuff. It's also Earth stuff. It's characters who don't who look very different from one another and the fact that this art team was able to make all of these characters look like they fit in the same space that was one of the things that people said about the avengers there's no way you can make an avengers movie because it won't make sense for cap and thor to be on the same screen well i think infinity definitely proves that that's not true and that you can take all of these different worlds put them together and make it look right and everything looks so so good thanos looks incredible yeah yeah it's like literally uh that's what that's what makes comic books cool you know is that like you can have a universe where all these disparate things exist and it makes sense you just have to like you know like as long as you can go into it with a little bit of suspended disbelief of just like okay cool like this is what we're dealing with right like that's all it takes. That's true of literally any kind of like high fantasy, you know. So over on the Avengers side of things, uh, we had Lenil Yu, Sonny Go, and Paul Mounts, and we had Corey Pettit. I just, I don't like 
I don't like used work at all. Like, I just really don't. And, like... Whoa! The, that, Seriously. like, sketchy style is, like, something that never works for me. And I've, like, gotten some flack on this show before for criticizing writers or artists with that kind of, like, approach. But, like... And you're about to get more. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this book looks good. Like, I, I think that, like, uh, like on the, the first page of Avengers 23... Right? Like, you have Iron Man and Captain America having a conversation, and this shot of Cap, it's just like, I feel like it looks so awkward. Uh, like, it looks like it's, like, not finished because of, like, how sketchy it is. And, like, I, I, I think it's most noticeable for me, like, the, the fact that I just don't like his style with how uh, Captain Marvel is drawn. Like, her hair, like, it looks like an anime character just rolled out of bed. Oh God! Yeah, that was the. It was like he didn't know how to draw the look they were going for with her hair. Like it was bad, man. It was like a twelve-year-old's anime. Like I've drawn anime hair better than that. And it's just like it doesn't look anything like what her hair looked like during that period. So it's like looking at this in relation to how she looks in Infinity or New Avengers. It's just like. Or I don't actually remember if she's in an issue of New Avengers, but in Infinity at least, it's like night and day. Like it looks like it looks like her from a different like period. Like yeah, from like this one from issue twenty three, her hair is all flat and like <laughs> and like all over the fucking place. Yeah, yeah. Listen, she fucking rolled out of bed and she just went to a scene kid show. Fucking lay off. Yeah, like that's what it looks like. Like it looks like. This is her in, like, the height of her, like, I'm really into Paramore phase. <laughs> I wouldn't even put that on Paramore fans. I don't know. I I think maybe maybe my interpretation of Yu's art is uh, not typical, but uh, I have always been a fan. I love it. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, maybe he's a love it or hate him kind of artist, but I... Had no issues with what he did here. I actually feel like I want to give him some kind of high praise, but when you look at the other two books, it's hard to do that because they're all so pretty. But this book, to me, is up there with the rest of them. Like, yeah, it no, might it's not be it's the different. It's different. Yeah. It, it, it's, it feels <laughs> like exactly, Phil. You understand me? I think I think you're right that it feels grittier, and I just don't think that works for like a cosmic superhero book. Like, there are certain. But this isn't just that. I, but at least, like, the issues that, like, I don't know. I, like, looking at 23, there are panels of this that remind me of shit that I saw in, like, DeviantArt back in the day. Of just, like, someone who's like, yeah, like, you've got promise. You know, like, you're, like, you know. That is so patronizing. <laughs> I'm, I, I just, I'm just saying, man. Like, I, I don't think it looks good. And it's I don't have skin in this game with, like you as an artist like it's just like that was my impression of looking at the books you know is that like there are a lot of like i'm looking at issue number 22 right where there's that moment where the i think they're both x-men characters who i don't i don't i don't it's cannonball and i don't know um oh sunspot sunspot yeah and like they're they like they kiss and then they like turn around to look uh and like they oh that smasher Yes, one that she's oh, it's Smasher. Okay, she's part of the Shi'ar Empire. 
I, I didn't I forgot that that was her because it's her without the mask. Uh, yeah. But either way, that scene like just they both look so like dead in the face, and like their mouths are like a little bit open. It's just like it just it feels awkward. Like there's a lot of moments that just don't like look good or like feel right to me. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You, you you've spoken your 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 opinion or whatever, but let me speak some truth. <laughs> Phil Phil really likes tacky art where people look dead in the face. That's what oh, he's about to no, say. Oh no, we're not going to sit here and call Lemuel <laughs> use art tacky. We're not going to do that. Let me uh, let me be the next step of the conversation because I was I'm I, I've always been iffy on Lemuel U. I do I do like what he does, but I do also definitely. You're that nice, Buster. Say what you gotta say. I do also uh, see uh, what Pete's talking about, and I like I already pointed out like Captain Marvel's hair uh, was like the big one, but then you have like uh, like this uh, this weird spacesuit that the Falcon has, like that was wild. Yeah. Well, what else um, is he gonna do? I, I I don't even why what the fuck is the Falcon even doing there? What's like, Spider Woman doing there? What's Black Widow doing there? They're Avengers. Why does Batman go into space? It's fucking comics. My my point is like it's a weird fucking suit, but it's cool. Uh, well, that's that's what, what I'm saying. Like it's suit? it's a. Oh, I yeah. like his weird space suit. It's 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 not something I've ever seen before, and that's and that's that's what I think. Um, that's one of the things Change that I bothers you. like about his. I'm go ahead, I'm saying go. I like it. <laughs> go ahead, go. Phil doesn't um, know how to not be antagonistic. <laughs> The way he draws spaceships and and other like aliens and then action scenes, um, that stuff is what you come to you for, um, and you know it's it's I I think for me a lot of the problem is the you know the various like superhero posing. Um, there's a there's a a page early on right after um, Captain Marvel is captured. And she's on the the ship with the the ex Nihila, and it's like three pages in or something, and the the posing of Captain Marvel and this ex Nihila is so awkward because like this ex they look like they're about to start coming on to each other because ex Nihila has like a hand on Captain Marvel's thigh, and she like it was just so weird. So the reason why. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm not saying it wasn't sexy as fuck. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, what I was gonna say is, I think the art is very good because Avengers proper is set more in cosmic Marvel dealing with this gritty war, and I think mm. it enhances this this conflict. And not just that, but also has an earthy quality to it which i think helps with characters like the builders or ex nyla because it makes them feel older and not just older like an old person or an older animal it makes them feel ancient and i think that's where it really shines here he did that better than any of the other artists that were working on this series exactly 
You know what I think is weird too? I, I feel like the the more human that something looks or the bigger the scale is or where is where he loses me because I'm looking at issue twenty right now and there's a scene in like about the middle of the book where uh Super Scroll is he's like yelling, you know? And there's so much definition in the face and you can see all the veins in his neck and it looks great. And I'm like, why don't like, why do I feel like so much of his stuff feels like it doesn't have definition or it feels like kind of sloppy. And then some of it is like so clean. And I, I just, I don't know, like maybe he was rushed or something on some of these, but like there are times where like, I feel like it feels really formless formless that's what are we looking at i don't know. like okay like like if you in the same issue i'm talking about issue 20 you, you go up a couple pages it's the page where super scroll catches captain america as he's like f- about to fall into the vacuum of space when they like attack the the ring world and there's two panels below that and there's all the ships the one ship in the front is is like fairly well drawn and then the rest of them look like blobs like there's literally two or three that literally are just like it's like it looks like it's probably supposed to be like a blown up ship but it's just like a shape i'm, I'm trying to find the page that you're referencing so that i can uh so that i can uh, respond you know, respond yeah issue uh, 20 is it earlier or later in the, in the uh year? it's two page it's one page after the words of the gardener tease, like the big white pages. So it's right after like the beginning of the book with all the credits. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you're it talking says, about the last page of that panel? Or the, the last, last panel, panel of that, of that page. page. Yeah, it says the Avengers fought back. Well, what the hell do you want, man? Those those are deep in the back. But like, I don't feel like a lot of the background shots in Infinity look that way. Like there's a page I pulled out. Uh, I don't remember which one it's from, but it's um, it's from Infinity, and it's it's like right after Thor's speech, where he says the thing where he's like, um, "Will you join me in teaching the oldest lesson of all?" You know, and it's it's a, it's a shot of a bunch of different ships going in, and like it doesn't have that same shapelessness to it. But that was in Infinity? I think it is. Actually, it might even be another one of Views pages now that I'm looking at it, and it just doesn't have that same, like, laziness to it. Cause is the- you, didn't, you didn't do Infinity. No, no, I know. I, I think I misspoke about okay. where the Thor conversation is. Okay. Um, because it's like, it's, like I said, it's not all like that. Like, the Super Scroll shot has that intense detail, and it, like, works. But then there's other stuff that feels kind of, like, blotchy. I don't know, man. I'm looking at Infinity right now. There are some shortcuts. There are definite <laughs> shortcuts. I mean, artists do that. They take shortcuts. There's a lot of shortcuts in Infinity with faces. Yeah. I'll give you that. There's a lot of that. Where it's like someone like one person back from the foreground has no face. No and I'm face. like, what? They can't make out their face? Come on. <laughs> but at the same time, like... You know, back on on issue twenty, where Ronan is surrendering to the um, the builder, and 
like you've got that that hyper close up of the builder's face that looks like gnarled tree bark. Oh like my you God. can't, yeah, that you shit is intense. You can't really say that that there's not some talent. Well, there. And, and that's the thing is like when when I made the joke before and I said like the tackiness thing that was a jab at Phil. I didn't mean that. Um, but yeah, like it's it's not consistent. Like there are times where there's really like I'm looking at issue 18 where it's the whole thing of like when the scrolls come and join the like the council in the fight. Every shot of a scroll is like fucking baller. Like I feel like you yeah. really like drawing scrolls because these scroll shots are fucking rad. So it's like I don't know, man. It's just there are times where it, it I feel like the shortcuts like really bother me, and a lot of the superhero work is like sketchy yeah. for me. Let's I let's, agree with that. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk about New Avengers. New Avengers has. One of my favorite artists of all time on it, Mike Diodato Jr. And uh, Laura Martin on colors. This book looks so, so amazing. This is, when I think of comics, I think about them looking like this. When I, like, when I'm thinking about what a comic should look like or what, you know, whatever, this is who I think of. To me, this book is the perfect combination of writer and artist. And a lot of that is really due to what Deodato and Martin bring to the table. It's so pretty across the board. Yeah, New Avengers looked great uh, by and large. I think, like, it in general, like, has a lot of... There's a lot of, like, really strong facial drawing. Like, uh, in... Oh, Deodato is rad for... Yeah, like the issue 10 when the Illuminati are meeting and, um, you know, they're like in the, they're, where are they? They're at the, the spire and they're like in that library having that conversation. Like there's just so many really good, like the, the shot of Namor and Black Panther, like glaring at each other across the table. Like you can feel that fucking heat between them, you know? And then, like, there's a really another really just like interesting uh, directed panel at the end of that page where you're getting a shot of them talking, and you're and it's like framed through a spiral staircase, like through the grate of the like the lining, just like shit like that. It's like you didn't have to do that, you know, but like it adds to the direction, you know, and like really gives you a sense of like space and scope. And there are just a lot of like really creative shots. One thing I feel like this book has over the other books, um, despite it being a team book, is it feels like it has room to breathe. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, absolutely. The art, the art you mean? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. The, it, it, I, I think I agree, but it's odd because story wise, I kind of wish Hickman had, you know, maybe two or three more issues total just to let the story breathe a little more. Yeah, of, of infinity, the whole thing, all like between okay. the three books, because it kind of you know intertwines with uh, between the three. Uh, obviously, New Avengers and Avengers are a little more uh, you know segregated, uh, but the whole story as a whole, kind of wish there was a little more time to let it breathe as a as a mechanism. I see where you're coming from. My only counter to that is I think this, if it needed to feel tense. And I needed to feel packed. Yeah. And it would have been harder to do that if he had three more issues. Just because that is a lot of space. Um, 
you could have maybe added like I could see you adding some things here or there, but I think on the whole, if this were longer, it might have lost some of that intensity. I, I, I would have liked to have seen the builder stuff breathe a little more. I guess I felt like that resolved kind of quickly in the scope of the actual total storytelling of the book. But I think uh, like think about where it is in the Avengers book though, like uh, it's. Eight, it's Infinity starts eighteen issues in to that yeah. storyline, so I think I think had we read that, you probably you might that's not fair. have felt that yeah, way. Yeah, you're right. I also think it's probably a byproduct of the fact that like it needed to work on its own. Like you need to be able to read Infinity as six issues to some degree, and like plus sure. yeah, plus like they were selling this bad boy on Thanos. Yeah, so. of course he's the he's. You know, he's the marquee. So, let's wrap up how we always do with these. Would you recommend this story to a reader? How How is it collected? So, it's collected with uh, everything that we read, plus the two Prelude to Infinity issues for Avengers, and then, uh, I believe, two Prelude to Infinity issues for New Avengers. In the Omnibus, it's the six primary issues, New Avengers 7 through 12 and Avengers 14 through 23. I I would recommend this oh, to a, probably a veteran. <laughs> Out of context. My grandpa fought in the Korean War. He'd love this book. He yeah, he's all about that hard sci-fi. All the time that Kale spends down at the local VFW. <laughs> uh, a veteran comic book reader, <laughs> um, but uh, because specifically because the 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 if you're just going into this and what we read, like the scope and sort of like the background information you need, um, I think would be very very intimidating to someone just coming in uh maybe you know maybe i would um recommend it to someone after seeing infinity war uh, but probably only if they'd seen if they were a marvel movie fan and like knew what they were talking about because i think i think this book is a lot of work you know what i really like in this book just as a completely superfluous kind of thing i love when books i used to do this a lot in the 90s when books would have the cast of characters at the very beginning yeah, yeah. super helpful <laughs> i just love that. the recap pages in new avengers yeah. yes yeah real thankful for that um would i recommend this it's a person i think it'd be a person by person basis if someone's like man I sure love Josh Brolin as Thanos. Wish I read. I I think I'd point him to uh, Infinity Gauntlet first, because it, it, you know what this is like. It would be like uh, telling someone to go read the Cosmic Odyssey shit that Giffen, Abnett, and Lanning did, which was just a sprawling you know series of books. Uh, it's just a lot for someone to jump into into as like a a novice. But the Kale's point as a vet. I think if you're a big time cosmic Marvel fan, this is a home run. If you're an Avengers fan, this is like as a if you like the Avengers books, this is probably a home run. And I think if you I think if you're a person that is not lost on on 
strong syntax and and picking up things kind of quickly like dude is a book that has a lot of made up shit but when you read it you, you know, just learn it I, th- I think this is similar in that regard like if you're a, i think if if you're a quick a, a reader who's quick to adapt there's no reason you couldn't kind of read this and kind of get what's happening um uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I am kind of more aligned with Kale on this one. Like, I wouldn't recommend this to any sort of new comic reader. Like, if you had seen Infinity War and then go see Endgame and you're like, oh, like, I want to read some of the comics that inspired this, I yeah. I would be like, I, would, yeah, I, I wouldn't point. I agree with that. I'm saying I wouldn't point to this. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Okay, well, I'm saying that, like, I don't feel like it's as accessible as, as like, as your last point was there. Like, you just said that, like, you don't feel like it's too tough to pick if, up and get the context no, of, if, like... If you're a reader who's really good at stuff like that, then I don't think it's exce- like exceptionally difficult. Okay, that's fair. I, I think it's, yeah, I, I guess it's just, like, I think you're gonna want to already be familiar, at least casually with marvel not just comics because i think like yeah. even at my level of familiarity with marvel which is like i would say a lot more than the average person like there's a lot here that is new or is presented in a way that is different from what you might know so like i was able to pick up a lot of this stuff that happened in the margins or in the prequels to this story because I have a general knowledge of Marvel of some of the stuff that happened in like the four years or so before this. And then also like knowing a, a general amount about Marvel cosmic, you know, and like having read a good amount of like some of the stuff that like contextualized who like the Shi'ar and the brood and like, otherwise you're getting thrown a fucking metric ton of, of shit that you need to keep straight. And I think that is a really big turnoff for somebody who's like, even a casual reader. Like, I feel like Marco reading this would have been, I think he would have been like, I don't know who any of these people are. And I was lost with a lot of this stuff. And like, I think he would be able to get something out of it. But I think that regular criticism that he lobs at like in continuity or continuity books would be something that he would levy at this as well. But would he like anime hair, Captain Marvel? No. no, she she's drawn like trash. Oh my god, he's way more harsh than I am about some of that stuff. So I think I think he would have agreed. <laughs> uh, I think that this is probably a hard sell for somebody who isn't versed on some level in Marvel comics. Um, for me, when I read it, I was all in on all of this, but it was hard. Like, even if you don't know, like, if you've never read Thor in a comic before, when you see him, you know what he stands for. You know what seeing Thor means. You don't know what seeing Smasher means or Ex-Nilo. And those are, I mean, Smasher, whatever. But, like, seeing the Builders, Ex-Nilo, all that stuff, those are important things that you have to grasp pretty quickly. So I think what Phil said is correct in that if you can grasp things without a ton of issue... You know, like if you can if you can pick up a book and sort of get what it's laying down, you'll be all right. It's 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 a lot of issues, but if you read them in the right order, I think you'll be okay. 
so yeah i, I would recommend it but it would it, you know it really depends on the person it's it's certainly good enough this is a great book i, I think the quality mm. on its own speaks for itself um this as a whole makes me want to read all of jonathan hickman's avengers because i could yeah yeah like i, w- well, I was just oh, gonna no, say go the ahead, quality go ahead. and this speaks for itself yeah i i my feelings have nothing to do with its quality it's this just that like the venn diagram that i have of comics readers and comics readers who know enough about marvel for this to like not be confusing is not that big so i can think of a few people i'd recommend it to but like it's 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 it, i think it's a, a specific like, i think taste. if you're an experienced reader you'll like as a reader period you'll pick things up like when captain america is about to send thor down as his emissary and 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 they're like, "What are you planning, Captain?" And Thor's like, "Oh, you're gonna do that uh, I nade I thing," and Cap just kind of smirks. It's that that's the book where the Trojan horse is, like, dude, that fucking the thing where he's like, "Well, the good Captain will need some bait." I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like, I, I think a, an experienced reader will be able to figure out what's happening. Cool. Well, uh, on that note, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this baby up. Hopefully you guys had as much of a good time listening to this as we did talking about it. I think Infinity is a great comic book event, if not a little long. And uh, I think if you invest the time, you're going to get a lot out of it. And I feel similarly about Jonathan Hickman's entire run, which I would recommend anybody go and uh, and do the work of reading. It's well worth your time. Hard agree. Hard agree. I'd read more for sure. And we will. This is, yeah, this is definitely like, I don't know, I've, I haven't read too, too much of him aside from Fantastic Four, so this kind of has me itching to like go back and read some of the stuff that I missed. Cool. So, uh, of course, if you want to let us know your thoughts about Infinity, your thoughts about this podcast, or your thoughts about our regular show, The Comics Pals, you can do so by writing to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can get us on social media at thecomicspals. And uh, while you're at it, make sure to leave us a like and a comment on all the platforms that you are engaging with our content. So we'll see you next time, whether it's on the Comics Files proper or another edition of our book club. Take care, guys. See you next time. This book club left us in perfect balance, as all things should be.